0: Hello my fellow creatives, this is Jean Lee, fantasy writer, excited to start yet another journey through a story with you. For my fellow picky readers who don't have a whole lot of time to just try books, not finish books. And for my writers who are always looking for the lessons to be learned in the fiction of others. This is Story Cuppings, where we will take a sip by looking at the first chapter of a book and see what we think of this story and if it is worth finishing the entire portion. For this podcast, I would like to take a look at the book, *Raybearer* Bearer, by Jordan Ifueko. And if I have mispronounced the name, I apologize. But I would like to take a look at this first chapter, not just because it is a fantasy, but it is also May, and that is the month of the fantastic, weird and wonder. And I will include a link where I can, so you may see more information about this. Let's take a sip and see what we think. The first sentence. I shouldn't have been surprised that fairies exist. Now that right there, as a reader, I'm intrigued. We're the first person, we are now inside the protagonist situation, but we're also hearing about something common to a lot of we readers, Western and Eastern alike, as regarding fairies, but we're seeing the term fairies. And re-looking at the cover, looking further on, we will realize that this is not the Western civilization idea of fairies. Let's read on. When elephants passed by in a lumbering sea beneath my window, flecks of light whispered in the dust, dancing above the rows of tusks and leather. I leaned precariously over the sill, hoping to catch a fleck before a servant wrestled me inside. Shame, shame, Terry sighed, my tutors fretted. What would the lady do if you fell? But I wanted to see the lights, I said. They're only Tutsu sprites. A tutor herded me away from the window. Kind spirits, they guide lost elephants to watering holes. Or to lion packs, another tutor muttered, if they're feeling less kind. Magic I soon learned was capricious. When I squinted at the swollen trunk of our courtyard boab tree, a cheeky face appeared. Kai, kai, killer girl, it snickered before vanishing vanishing into the bark. I'm gonna pause here. We're just a few paragraphs in. I have yet to complete this first page and we are already getting a wealth of not only sensory details, which as a writer, this is important. We want our readers to be immersed in the story and that only happens if they can see and interact with the setting of the story. As a reader, I am quickly learning, again, that I am not in a western civilization idea of what fairies are. I am learning new terms, like Tutsu sprites. I am learning I am in a world where elephants can go nearby homes. I am learning I am in a world where magic can be kind to animals or vicious. And the fact that lions can be attacking these elephants is giving me a sense of where I am. So I will say, Jordan, already one half of one page in has given us a good amount of information to get us immersed as readers. And as a writer, I'm seeing that all it takes is some select interactions and some select descriptions to help a reader become immersed in the world. Let's read couple more paragraphs. Let's complete this first page. I was seven when the man with cobalt fire wings found me. That night I had decided to search Swana, the second largest realm in the arid empire for my mother. I had crept past my snoring maids and tutors, stuffed a sack with mangoes, and scaled our mudbrick wall. The moon hung high above the savanna when the Aligbato, the fairy, appeared in my path. The light glinted in his gold-flecked eyes, which slanted all the way to his dark temples. He seized the back of my garment, hoisting me up for examination. I wore a wrapper the color of banana leaves, wound several times beneath my arms, leaving my shoulders bare. The alabato watched me amused as I punched and kicked in the air. Now this is an interesting move as a writer, because we are flashing back now. We are going into something that has happened before the story has officially started. And I mean, we're, we're not one page, I just finished the first page. And so, you know, to already be diving into a flashback to be kind of moving around in time, I can be a little risky. But as a reader, I am still intrigued because what what is what is this person flashing back to? This protagonist, this girl named Terry Sai. Well, she is flashing back to when a man with cobalt fire wings found her. And she's only seven at this time. So we want to know what's going on with this man with cobalt wings. And the fact that as a seven-year-old, kid's not scared. This kid is ready to fight. So what happens in this interaction? I am going to move a little forward here. A little forward into their interaction here. Hello, Teresai, his Sahara breath warmed my beaded braids. Just where do you think you're going? How do you know my name, I demanded. Were Alagbatos all-knowing, like Om the storyteller? I am the one who gave it to you. I was too angry to absorb this reply. Did he have to be so bright? Even his hair shimmered, a luminous thicket around his narrow face. If our compound guards spotted him... Oh, I sighed. I had barely made it a mile into the savannah. Capture now would be humiliating. My tutors would lock me up again, and this time every window in Bikina House would be nailed shut. I'm not allowed to be touched, I snapped, clawing at the alagbato's grip. His skin felt smooth and hot, like clay left to harden in the sun. Not allowed? You are small enough to be carried. I am told human children need affection. Well, I'm not human, I shot back in triumph, so put me down." Who told you that, little girl? No one, I admitted after a pause, but they all say it behind my back. I'm not like other children. This was possibly a lie. The truth was, I'd never seen other children, except in the market caravans that passed Bikina House from a distance. I would wave from my window until my arms grew sore, but they never waved back. The children would stare straight past me as if our compound manor, orchard, and houses enough to make it a small, small village were invisible to anyone outside. Yes, the Alagbatos agreed grimly. You are different. Would you like to see your mother, Terry sighed? Oh, I stopped resisting at once, and my ling- limbs hung limp as vines. Do you know where she is? My mother was like morning mist, here, then gone, vanished in clouds of jasmine. My tutors bowed surreptitiously whenever they passed her wood carving in my study. They called her the Lady. I delighted in our resemblance, the same high cheekbones, full lips, and fathomless black eyes. Her carving watched as my study brimmed with scholars from sunup to moonrise. And I'll pause here. The next page, two pages, we are getting a very tightly written understanding of what this girl's life has been like. On the steady stream of teachers, the tests, the fact that she has been tested time and again, as early as the age of five. But her mother, very ethereal. We, we, We do not know much of her in those two pages. We only know that Whatever standards she has are higher than Terry Sai can currently reach. And so she very rarely, if at all, sees her mom. And as a reader, we immediately connect with this. Because as a reader, we understand the importance Of a child's relationship with a caregiver, whether it's a mom, a dad, a grandparent, aunt, uncle, and so on. The child is seeking love from their caregiver, from in this case her mom, who really isn't the caregiver here. But this is someone who clearly is present and watchful of the daughter, but yet does not seem present in a traditional way. And so we are intrigued because of this untraditional way of the parent-child interaction. Now, the Bato has a name and we learn the name because of a flashback. Eregbato shares with Terry Sai. The Eregbato shares a memory of Terry Sai's mom speaking to this Erigbato. And I want to highlight a part of this here. And we're still in the first chapter. I'm on page seven. <laughs> There's so much packed into this first chapter. The clearing is younger now, as Terry sighs, looking into this memory. With fewer brush and acacia trees, it is daytime in this memory, and the amber pool is clear, free of fish and mayflies. My heart skips a beat. The lady, my lady, reclines on a wa- rock by the water. The sun makes a mosaic of a reflection on the pool's surface, distorting her face, rippling her cloud of midnight hair. Her wrapper is frayed, and her sandals are worn to the soles. I worry, wondering, what were you running from, mother?" The lady dips an emerald cuff into the water. She murmurs over the jewel, kissing it tenderly, and the emerald glows and fades. Then she sets the cuff down and calls out, Milu. My mother tests the word on her full lips, drawing out the syllables like a song. Milu, my dear, won't you come out and play?' The clearing is silent. The lady laughs, a deep throaty sound. The seers say that alagbatos dislike humans. Some doubt you even exist, great Milu, guardian of Swana. but I think you do hear. She produces a green vial from her pocket and tips it precariously toward the pool. I think you hear just fine. A hot wind rushes into the clearing, swirling up dirt and clay into a tall, lean man. His wings smolder, cobalt blue, like a young fire, but his voice is frost-cold. Stop. I would tell you my name, the lady tells him. But as you know, my father never never gave me one. She pauses, still dangling that vial over the pool. How quickly does a biku blood spread through earth and water, Milu? how much would poison how much would poison every living thing within a 50 mile radius two drops three don't milu barks wait the lady points to the emerald cuff milu's features contort with defeat stone jawed he picks up the cuff and snaps it on his forearm if i've done right says the lady you are no longer swanasalagatto you're my eru my din Three wishes, Milu spits, and I am bound to this grassland until your wishes are complete. How convenient, the lady sits, thoughtfully dangling her muscular brown legs in the water. Milu, I wish for a stronghold that no one may see or hear unless I desire it. A place my friends and I will always be safe. A place befitting royalty. That is my first command. Milu blinks. It is done. Where? A mile from here. Milu points, and the newly blossomed plaster walls of Bikina House shimmer in the distance. The lady glows with pleasure. Now she breathes. I wish for Ologbade's death. Not allowed, Milu snaps. Life and death are beyond my power, especially that life. Even fairies may not kill a ray bearer. The lady's mouth hardens, then relaxes. I thought that might be the case, she says. Fine. I wish for a child who will do, think, and feel as I tell it. An extension of myself. A gifted child, sure to stand out in a contest of talent. This is my second command. Not allowed, Milu intones again. I cannot force a human to love or hate. You may not own a child as you own an Eru. Can't I? The lady steeples her fingers in thought. A smile spreads across her face, and her teeth are coldly white. What if, she says, my child was an Eru? What if my child was yours? Milu grows as rigid as a tree in dry season. Such a union would go against nature. You are human, not of my kind. You ask for an abomination. Oh no, Milu, the lady's brilliant black eyes dance over the ears horrified ones. I command that abomination. I'm going to pause here. I'm just going to read one more line, the very last line of this chapter. But I first want to emphasize how much character we have already received in, let's see here, eight pages. We have a mother that, as in those earlier pages, the daughter was yearning to connect with. And now, after this single flashback, everything has changed already in eight pages. For this first chapter ends with the following sentence. My mother was the devil, and I her puppet demon. And we can think of that as a child's exaggeration, maybe. Or is it? There's a little bit more in that first chapter that I did not read. But after taking a sip from this story, I think it's safe to say I'm going to keep drinking from it. And I feel that anyone who loves fantasy, who loves a lush world, a vivid world, a world that is unique, I think you're going to find some things that you also enjoy in Ray Bearer. And it will be, I believe, a joy to continue drinking in this particular tale. Thank you all so very much for listening to this first <laughs> podcast. As you can see, I'm, I'm still working out some ins and outs. Uh, if you have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you at Jean Lee's World. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and I got a website too, geneliesworld.com. And I can't wait to see what other stories we get to sit from in the weeks to come. Read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Take care.